This is SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, leading the way. Ladies and gentlemen. What's there, Mama? 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. How do you do? How do you do what? Show me the smile. If you can't play something nice, don't play nothing at all. Very nice. You can sit by me. Everything's so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get up. Come on, get up. Where are we going? Up to Neverland. You must kiss me. Excuse me? Please, princess. One kiss. Unless you beg for more. Welcome back to The Secrets of Disney, part two of our analysis of The Princess and the Frog. And so it's time to talk about the secrets of The Princess and the Frog, the deeper layers, all the symbolism that is in this movie, the cultural references. And hopefully this discussion will help you appreciate the movie on a different level. Of course, when you first see a movie, you enjoy the story. You kind of recognize some stuff, but uh, we hopefully are able to go a little bit more in detail. And so if you rewatch this movie after listening to this discussion, you will enjoy it even more. That's kind of why we do these shows. It's It's been a lot of fun, I thought, to kind of take the movie and from there on just do some research on, on New Orleans and the background. And of course, as a European, that's all new for me. Um, but uh, but also to uh, to learn about the the whole voodoo culture and the background of that. And I had kind of very schematic idea of what voodoo was and, and just kind of examining it and learning about the differences between the New Orleans version of that and the Haitian voodoo. It was much more interesting and much more... Mm, how do you say that? Multifaceted uh, than than I than I thought. So uh, let's talk a little bit about. Well, of course, we've been uh, talking about uh, the whole African culture that we see depicted in uh, well the area where uh, Tiana lives. Uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Young, the Catholic foodie, uh, lives in uh, in New Orleans. Uh, is a an expert when it comes to all sorts of food, including gumbo and all that good stuff over there, is uh, also uh, loves the the music and all the traditions of the of the city. So, so Jeff is um, the the um, the neighborhood that we see with where Tiana lives, and also the area where she wants to build up her restaurant is has part of that been preserved is that still something that you can see in the city or um or is that all you know re- because this takes place in the 20s at least the first part of the movie is it all gone oh we have a lot of the old neighborhoods still intact uh it was interesting about new orleans because of the very uh, the various uh, cultural influences uh where we had you know a lot of french a lot of spanish uh later on you had a lot of irish uh there was german you have all these different influences. What ended up happening is it was, there was a lot of segregation. And so one sort of uh, culture would stay in one section and mm-hmm. another in a different. And, uh, and so you still have really kind of a, um, um, almost like a, a puzzle of how the city is put together. And you've got, of course, the French Quarter, Jackson Square, all of that down in the, in the middle, in the center. And then from there, it kind of branches out. I can't say that the the one the neighborhood that was shown in the movie is still here, mm-hmm. but hoods like that are still here. Very old houses, 
uh, very close together, too. Yeah. And well, and you definitely see the segregation in the movie, especially in the first part where you see Charlotte's neighborhood, uh, very up upscale, you know, expensive houses, very lush. Uh, and then, you know, it, uh, the American, the African-American population lives in a totally different neighborhood. Um, well, uh, I just wanted to say that if Jeff would recognize that Charlotte lives in a Southern plantation style house. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's very, her style of house is very, very um, Southern U.S. Oh, really? And and so the, um, yeah. and the plantations, we're talking about these uh, sugar cane plantations or something else? We had right. sugar cane, rice, cotton, oh, you know, cotton a bit more uh, North Louisiana, but... Uh, what was interesting about that is, yes, the house is like a, a plantation home. And, of course, we still have real plantations down here. You can go and visit and, and see them. A lot of them are, are kind of preserved like museums now. Um, but you don't have a plantation like that in the city. Mm-hmm. In the city, you may have huge homes, but it's not. They, they sit on these postage. It's like a, a mansion on a postage stamp. No, really? The, no garden around it? Are, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the yard is so small. And the house consumes almost the entire lot. So you have, you know, maybe some nice gardening, landscaping right there around the house. But that's it. There's no real big, there's no yards. There's no fields in the, um, in the city. Interesting. And what about, what about the center of the city that we see in the movie several times, actually, um, to, or towards the end of the movie, but also when um, uh, Facilier is uh, convincing the evil spirits to help him out and he kind of shows the layout or an overview of the city in the palm of his hand. So this is I'm going to be ruling this town and you'll be able to basically... Uh, do all your evil stuff as long as I'm in charge. Um, we see the the center of the city with the cathedral as kind of the one of the biggest or the most remarkable uh, uh, buildings there. Uh, what what period were these? Was was all this built? Is this still from the uh, colonial, you know, the French time, or or is it a a mix of of time periods? It was yeah, mainly that whole area, that whole section, what we call the French Quarter. It, it goes all the way back to the 1700s. Okay, so the center, that's all the French Quarter. Right, the French Quarter, Jackson Square, they call it, uh, is, is right there in the front, closest to the river. And the, uh, the St. Louis Cathedral faces the river, and the quarter kind of uh, flanks it on the left and right and goes to the back of the, uh, the, back of the, the, the cathedral and then moves out several blocks. All right. So yeah. So we mentioned the the cathedral. Uh, the and this is of course part of the French culture that um, well basically has been there for a long time. Uh, it's it's a very Catholic area, isn't it? A very Catholic region. Of course, there are different religions as well. Um, but in terms of, of Christianity, I think that the Catholics are the the biggest uh, population, isn't it? The yeah, New Orleans, South Louisiana, and New Orleans in particular is very, very Catholic, uh, culturally Catholic, mm-hmm. and I, I think that uh, it's important. Over history, there's been a lot of influence, Catholic influence, in simple things, whether it's uh, uh, the naming of streets or or of buildings or uh, you know, things of that nature. The fact that even our legal system—I mean, we're not divided into counties uh-huh. here. We're the only. Only uh, state 
in the country that is not divided into counties. We're divided into parishes. Really? Uh, of course, is a takeoff on, on, on the church. And the church's um, <laughs> wow. system of having dioceses, which is yeah. made up of parishes. Yeah, sure. Ah, so they took that d literally as a as a way to distinguish the one area from another. <laughs> That's right. It's just a p the parishional uh, domain, basically. How interesting! It's really kind of neat. And then, of course, the but other. Yeah, go ahead. Just the, the 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 influence, the the Catholic influence, also on the uh, the liturgical season, mm -hmm. and the way that the, the the devotion to the saints and all of this is is seen very clearly in New Orleans. Whether it's um, you know St. Patrick's Day and a big Irish, we have a big Irish contingent in New Orleans and mm -hmm. huge parades on on that day, or St. Joseph uh, with all the different St. Joseph altars around the city. Uh, there's just a huge Catholic influence here, and in, in churches all over the place. So the Catholic Church in and around New Orleans has a very uh, strong presence, and and always yeah. has. Yeah, which is kind of unique for the United States because usually the South is kind of like the more hardcore uh, Protestant Christians that live there, right? Or, well, right. hardcore, that's perhaps yeah. a little bit offensive to say it like that. No, no, no. But, <laughs> it came yeah, out wrong. But the South, you think Southern it's, Baptist. It's, it's more, yeah, Southern Baptist, yeah. and sure. it's, it's more Protestant yeah. uh, area. Uh, but then, of and, course, and of yeah. course, if you think of, of things like Mardi Gras, which is, I mean, all of that is contingent upon uh, uh, Lent. I mean, it's, oh, all, yeah. it's all a yeah. Catholic thing. Definitely. Know? Yeah, Mardi Gras uh, is absolutely uh, <laughs> very strongly uh, linked to the, the, the Catholic uh, tradition. And uh, and I'm glad that they included it in the movie. Of course, the reason is not religious because Disney is not a religious <laughs> institution or organization. But it is so important for the the New Orleans culture, um, and it's such a, a pivotal day. I th I think it's one of the most important days of the year. Perhaps it will even top I don't know Christmas for <laughs> for the locals. Um, so I'm, I was glad that they included it in the story. And uh, and it actually I uh, another thing that I liked about it actually now that we're talking about it we might as well just go on a, a little bit more about it but it, it ends at you know at midnight uh, which I think is a very cool uh, um, uh, storytelling device in a lot of fairy tales but it is actually also very fitting for Mardi Gras because it's an ancient tradition and not just in New Orleans but also over here in uh, in Europe and in the Catholic areas here in Europe that uh, the day before Ash Wednesday, so the beginning of Lent, uh, that, well, we have the carnival, we've got the festivities, we eat pancakes, uh, well, there are all sorts of different food traditions around that. But the thing is, you... You party, but it stops exactly at midnight. And even right now, in 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 this day and age, uh, when we have our we have our carnival basically celebrations, um, even the the most people will not realize the uh, Catholic background uh, anymore of of, of uh, Mardi Gras and uh, uh, those days of carnival before the beginning of Lent. But they all still have kept that tradition of, you know, midnight, we stop drinking, the music stops, the lights go out, and we go home. <laughs> so that's, uh, I, I like, I really like that, the way that they included that ca Catholic tradition and, and turned it into this classic fairy tale deadline, like, it's got to take place before, you know, the, 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 the clock strikes 12, strikes midnight. So uh, it's, one of the, cool. it's, it's funny because it's, a, it's kind of a formality, and 
in our day and age, I mean, we tend to be very informal, you know, wearing mm-hmm. blue jeans to everywhere. Uh, and, and for people who are not Catholic, for people who, you know, for the most part, who cares? That could be the attitude, you know? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to end at midnight. Who cares? I'm having too much fun. Yeah. could be the attitude, but the funny thing is, it's true. It, if you're down in the French Quarter on Mardi Gras Day, yeah. Fat Tuesday, and uh, it gets to midnight, literally, the police go into the French Quarter and clear it out. Wow. Everybody has to go. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the businesses shut down, and the street, the big trucks that clean the streets, they come through and start cleaning everything up at midnight. Yep. So by the time people get up in the morning to go to Mass for Ash Wednesday— the French Quarter looks like a different place. It's amazing. Wow. Well, and for uh, our listeners that might not be familiar with that Catholic tradition of Lent, it is basically a, a time of 40 days, uh, and, and not counting the Sundays in there, um, because the Sunday is never a, a day of penance. But it's a period of, of preparation for the Feast of Easter. And so during that time, uh, Catholics um, tend to, you know, not— live a very exuberant life. It's, it's very much focused on, you know, helping your neighbor, uh, fasting, praying. So basically living a, a, as much as possible a very virtuous life. And so it's very fitting that the moment you start that endeavor, that that journey towards Easter, that, you know, you stop partying. And, and actually the reason that it's such a big party before Ash Wednesday was, of course, this I think very human desire to oh well we know that Ash Wednesday is going to start at midnight and so let's make the most out of this time before it let's just eat and have a party because it's going to be over soon during those 40 days and I think in a way uh, that 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 enhances the festivities the the fact that you know that it is finite that it will end and and it makes you appreciate the the festivities all the more, and the, not to mention the food, <laughs> because Lent in the past, you know, especially the fasting, that was serious business. You know, it really meant no more candy, no cake, no you know, all the sweets were kind of saved up, and 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 you could only uh, indulge a little bit on Sundays uh, because they don't count in those forty days, and uh, and then of course at Easter, that's when. The party resumes to celebrate the the resurrection. So, in in the movie, at towards the end, we see the also the particular celebrations of uh, Mardi Gras. We already mentioned them uh, before um, in our in our uh, earlier discussion about the movie. Uh, th- we see these parades. So, uh, can you tell me about that? Is that taking place just on Mardi Gras, or uh, or is it also you know over several days? Uh, well, it, it's um, down here in Louisiana. Mardi Gras is a season. It's not technically according to the church a liturgical season, but for us, it it basically is. <laughs> it starts on uh, January sixth, which is the Epiphany, where we celebrate oh, really the arrival of the kings, the three kings to visit the baby Jesus. Oh. It starts on January sixth, and really, we we began making king cakes then, and yeah. uh, king cake is very symbolic. Uh, it's, it's kind of a brioche cake it's circular like a crown it's decorated with uh, the 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 royal colors of yellow purple and green uh-huh and, uh, is there something a, hidden in it, the cake because that's a tradition that they have in germany and some areas here in holland right Where, we we hide a baby a plastic baby which represents jesus in the cake wow choking hazard 
<laughs> we we hide a bean, which is also dangerous, but not as dangerous. And if you find it, you become kind of the king or the queen of that day, or something like that. <laughs> uh, down well, here, isn't it? Find, you have to. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, down here, if you find the baby, you you have to uh, buy the next king cake. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, the next wow. party. <laughs> but parades, you know, the parades start. I would say uh, the parades start maybe three weeks out before Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have different uh, crews. They call them crews, K-R-E-W-E, uh, crews of Mardi Gras that all center around something. And a lot of them are named after Greek or Roman gods and, and things like that. But uh, these crews will, will – you have to pay to be part of a crew, first of all. And then you, you, you buy plastic beads, necklaces that you mm-hmm. throw from the floats – and a lot of these folks do this. They save up all year round. They buy all this, uh, this stuff to throw. And uh, they have a big party, and the parades run. And you've got parades running in different, different parts of the city on weekends all the way up until uh, what we would call Mardi Gras weekend because Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, well, actually from Friday through Tuesday, you have lots of really big-name parades. But you, we've got parades going on the weekend before that and the weekend before that. And it's interesting because actually, you know, formally, Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday. Mardi in French is uh, is Tuesday. And, of course, the Tuesday is before Ash Wednesday. So you've got Ash Wednesday and then Fat Tuesday. But in New Orleans, that is kind of like that can take months. <laughs> That's right. And we have Lundi Gras, too. We call Monday. Monday is Lundi Gras. So uh, that's Fat ah, Monday. Okay, so they do change that a little bit. Yeah. So what the the uh, the beads because at one at one point in the movie we see uh, uh, the the I think it's on the boat where the the frogs are sitting there on top of the boat mm-hmm. and uh, we see on the deck we see a lot of these beads um, and that are scattered around and, and not and not only that I wanted to point this out mm-hmm. is that one of the beads um, he takes the Prince Naveen as a frog takes one of the beads from the necklace and makes the ring. The engagement ring for um, True. Tiana. True. Yes. There, so. so where do these so, be- beads come from? Uh, what, what kind of tra- is, do you do you know that? Is that just something that just started, or is is there a meaning to it? Well, I think I think the the meaning kind of goes back. It's the whole theme of royalty, and uh, you you have these beads, which of course uh, you know in reality we would love to have these diamond and gold necklaces and uh-huh. things like that, yeah. you know, but that doesn't always happen. Uh, so we have these plastic beads, and a lot of this, if you think back to some of the beginnings of uh, the more uh, uh, recent traditions of Mardi Gras, I mean, this is celebrated by different cultures all over the world. You've got carnival in, in, in Italy, I know in, in Spain, uh, you've got uh, carnival down in Brazil. Uh, it's celebrated in different ways all over, but as far as New Orleans goes, the tradition, you, you, you're talking about a culture where you did have a lot of poverty. You did have slavery here for mm. a long time. Yeah. And so you, you have a chance once a year where, where the little man can kind of get to be the big man. And that was the thought, I think, behind choosing a king for Mardi Gras. You know, some of these early crews, the very early, early crews were, were, were poor. So it's it's basically the 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 king of Mardi Gras and and his uh, personnel. They're distributing the riches to and throwing it literally to the the poor that are kind of uh, on the side of the road. And and so it's sharing the wealth in a way, at least right. once a year. Right. That's and, 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 and you know and in a way, Jeff. Now that I think of it, 
that isn't that actually the core of the story also where this poor girl you know worked hard etc and then in the end becomes a princess so it's it's almost as if that that is <laughs> very similar uh, to to this whole idea of Mardi Gras where the the poor becomes king or or queen or yeah that's cool that's true that's great yeah and then she shares it too with her with her restaurant she opens that to the again it's, it's got a very social function she doesn't want to open a restaurant just because she loves cooking and she because she wants to be rich it's, it's she wants the social aspect of it that's what she's looking forward to it's like having the world having new orleans be, be, get together and have a party at her restaurant so it's a very she, social no. theme it's like sharing the wealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. It's How awesome. cool! I never, never <laughs> thought about that. So the and so the king and we have similar traditions in Europe, uh, especially here in 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 uh, Germany and in Holland. We've got these same parades with floats, especially in the southern, more Catholic areas of my country. And um, we also have a prince. We don't have a king, but we have a prince. And then he's, he's got his. Uh, parliament basically of uh, fellow princes and they instead of throwing beads they throw in germany they throw oranges and uh in, yeah oh. yeah oh yeah you have to be careful actually <laughs> it's, it's these big oranges and uh it's a tradition especially in uh uh well the bigger um more southern easter uh, uh, southern german uh, cities like uh Aachen and uh, some other and and then in Holland they throw sweets so that I love yeah. to go to my grandparents who lived in the south uh, when I was a child and then we just stand there and it's very similar we would just gather tons of sweets and then of course you know the next day was Ash Wednesday so we couldn't eat sweets for 40 days and so we you know at the end of of uh, Shrove Tuesday or, or fa- uh, what is it uh, Mardi Gras we would just stuff ourselves with all these sweets. <laughs> and we were so glad that we weren't German because we'd rather have, of course, sweets that, rather than uh, than oranges. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I, it's I, clearly, I think, a European uh, Catholic tradition that, that was brought by the French probably to, uh, to the area. Yeah. Now, um, one of the other... Big cultural influences uh, in the movie and in the story is, of course, this whole New Orleans voodoo culture. Now, when I say voodoo, and actually, huh, that's what what I what I thought. My immediate association with voodoo was, oh, it's with these tarot cards and um, the puppets where you put, you know, you you hurt the puppet and then you you can hurt oh, voodoo dolls. The, the yeah. voodoo, voodoo dolls. That's, that's, that's yeah. almost anything. And I think a lot of people think that that is. What voodoo is all about. Yeah. But it is not. It's actually much more interesting. There's much more to it. Um, The, um, well, and we we already talked about this briefly, but the Louisiana voodoo or the New Orleans voodoo uh, originated from the the African culture of which the slaves were part. And when they came to that area, they brought that with them. Um, It's it's, it's very, a lot of elements in there have to do with ancient African traditions that you still see in Africa uh, even today. It's, it's you know, the, um, uh, the ancestors, the veneration of ancestors. Um, it's the, uh, the magic that's in there, the, the b- b- benevolent spirits. Um, also, the natural, the, the, you know, the herbs, the poisons, the charms, the amulets, uh, the protection, but also the, the, this idea that 
the universe that surrounds us is not just matter. It's filled with spirit. It, and so you've got in, in, in many African traditions and, and religions, you have this idea of, of everything has, you know, life itself is, is spirit. There, is, there, is, there are spirits that take care of the sky and take care of the trees. And our, our, our world is not the kind of one-dimensional material world that is very much kind of the... The well, the world as we see it in the, in the, in our Western culture nowadays, especially the secularized Western culture, but it, everything has to do with this spiritual world, which you don't see, but it's still there. And so they brought that to um, Louisiana, to New Orleans. Um, and the interesting thing is, uh, it it mixed once it was imported. It it started to blend with a lot of. Catholic traditions, and and what surprised me while reading about this was that it was actually a very um, kind of a positive relationship. You would think that oh, the Catholics they must have hated all that superstition and and persecuted uh, voodoo practices and and whatnot. Quite on the contrary, it was much more you know the 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 Catholic faith. Uh, absorbing some of these African traditions, modifying a little bit, linking it, and so doing basically what the Catholic Church has done over many centuries, and it's trying to take what's good in there, the intuitions, and trying to kind of reorient it and give it a new meaning. And and oftentimes, and I think this is still true, but again, I have to ask Jeff, uh, uh, the, the, the voodoo culture, and the current voodoo, because voodoo is still a religion, um, is kind of the the African what we as as you know as Westerners or or Christians would would sometimes perhaps easily call like that. Oh, that's superstition. But those elements still exist. But they are experienced as being very compatible with you know the the, the Catholic faith that the, the a lot of these uh, uh, Africans. Uh, or the originally Africans, but now African Americans have embraced, and so they go to church. For them, Catholicism is very uh, important, and a lot of those Catholic elements have been integrated, kind of in these voodoo practices. But Jeff, uh, am I totally off? Uh, is this, no, uh, no, I think I think a lot of this is once again is kind of like that 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 gumbo, you know. <laughs> uh, down here, I think a lot of these different cultural aspects mixed, and of course. You know, when you talk about it from a theological perspective, um, there, there's a, a, a great mm-hmm. distinction, a great chasm between uh, Catholicism and voodoo. Very, sure. very different. Yeah. But uh, on a very practical level, um, with folks, especially folks who are just uh, culturally Catholic and, and maybe mm-hmm. they, they take certain elements of it, but it's not, uh, it's not something that is uh, the driving, driving force of their life – then there can be this blending together of these different ideas. Same sort of thing happened in South America with Santeria. Santeria was uh, a similar uh, kind of a voodoo and uh, Catholic saint mix mm-hmm. uh, religion. And uh, we, we see a lot of that, if I'm not mistaken, Deborah, in, um, in, in, in uh, uh, Miami, in South Florida. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, we actually have an issue with that in our church here in, in um it, you know, just down the road from me here in Kissimmee, they had um, they had to separate Santeria from the Catholic Church because a lot of people practice both here. Mm-hmm. So, and actually, and they do practice voodoo around in this area too as well. Yeah. 
So Now, the, I have to <clears throat> mention something that I think is very important. Uh, again, it has to do with this kind of simplified perception that we have of voodoo, which is actually something pretty recent. You know, the voodoo dolls and a, a lot of the our current perception of voodoo for people that are not, you know, familiar with that, is actually it was it was influenced by a movie. <laughs> it's it's a the, the bad rap among Christians came from a 1932 movie which was called White Zombie, and in that movie, voodoo is portrayed in the kind of uh, caricature way that we know it nowadays. You know, with the voodoo dolls, and it basically depicted as something very dark, very evil. Where and and that so that is kind of a Hollywood reinterpretation, just like Hollywood or you know Coca Cola kind of took uh, our Saint Nicholas and turned him into Father Christmas or you know what's his name uh, the <laughs> yeah. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Um, yeah. And and so again, uh, this is just a very recent uh, um, kind of distortion almost of uh, the original, uh, very <clears throat> rich. Very interesting, but also very ancient uh, voodoo religion, which was much more benevolent than than what you would think. And so, the and in a way, this movie, The Princess and the Frog, takes both sides. It it, it does have the same uh, kind of <laughs> uh, popular. Uh, perceptions of voodoo with the voodoo doll you know you remember at the end uh, when there's this big parade and then uh facelier is 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 threatening to kill the you know uh, charlotte's dead with the, by, by you know sticking a needle into the the, the puppet so that, that kind of refers to the voodoo doll but the voodoo dolls were actually that was a that 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 was part of the the voodoo religion but most of them were not meant for evil they were actually uh, so, uh, a voodoo doll represented someone that you wanted to bless, that you wanted to wish well, and so it was much more a sign of protection of <laughs> of a person, uh, or or again well wishing something, and and then kind of uh, ritualizing that and 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 externalizing that in the form of a of a puppet that represents the person that you love and care for, rather than this evil thing that the movies have <laughs> turned it into. Right. Right. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I thought about Dr. Facilier mm -hmm. and uh, the, the fact that that name, you know, Facile, and mm -hmm. I mean, my knowledge of Spanish, uh, it's French. I recognized yeah. it immediately, right, it's, but it's, it's related, uh -huh. recognized it immediately as meaning easy. Yeah. And, of course, New Orleans is often referred to as the Big Easy, mm. so that kind of came to mind. But also the fact that voodoo today, as you see it in New Orleans, is very much a, a a positive thing in that respect that um, it's not about this kind of evil where you're trying to go out and hurt people. It's more about trying to get things easily, uh, whether it's uh, you know wanting that good luck if you're a gambler or if you want to 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 do well politically or as an athlete you might uh, use some of the gree gree right gree gree would be yeah. the the term for anything that's. Uh, Material things that are used to affect the spirit world, right. and a voodoo doll would, would qualify as yeah. as that. Uh, little spells or things like that, but it's it's meant to bless. It's meant to receive blessing. It's meant to, in a way, to 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 get good luck, as we would exactly think, think today. You know. Yeah, and the sticking of pins in the doll. Um, actually, that wasn't meant as a way to torture other people. Uh, that has a very t a totally different origin. It actually was used, the pin was used to pin a name to the doll. So the name, the, the piece of paper or a photo, represented a person, 
that you wanted to bless or, you know, I don't know, uh, somehow uh, help. And then the doll actually was a representation of a, 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 a benevolent spirit. And so you tied the uh, the name of the person that you cared for to the spirit. And basically that was a almost a, a material way to... to <laughs> It's almost like a prayer. It's like asking that spirit yeah. to help that particular person. So then, of course, the movies came and they took that. Oh, it's a pin. I can torture yeah. it, and then it became this whole thing that has nothing to do with the origin of that pin. But I thought it was so funny that the movie does take that. But the movie also does a lot of things I think right and is respectful to certain key elements of voodoo. And and Deborah, I think. Um, Disney was had to be very careful with the way that they depicted yeah. voodoo. Um, they really did try to, like, you know, okay, so they did try to use um, both good and bad um, versions of voodoo. Like, you know, Doctor, obviously Dr. Facilier is, is bad, but then Mama Odie is, represents what's good about it. Mm -hmm. um, and not only that, they did take some elements and, and kind of, morph them a little to make them not so voodoo-ish um like the you know the um i don't tie the tarot cards to voodoo because that's mm -hmm. to me new age um but they did change the tarot cards so it wouldn't offend people um they did try to um not use some of the real symbolism for voodoo in the movie because um I do have a I had a student like a, a couple terms ago <laughs> who wrote me a term paper on voodoo because he was from Haiti and this was his religion. And he's like, uh, the whole idea is that we get it wrong here. We he wants. But people from Haiti don't really want to talk about this religion. They don't want it to be seen as something evil or something bad. So, yeah, it, it's a kind of an interesting uh a mix, though, and uh, well, and, and you but, uh, know, Disney yeah. does, yeah, and Disney doesn't want to offend anybody at this point, True. to yeah, to you know, whether they be Catholic or whether they be from a, a different religion, they don't want but, to sell that this religion is either good or bad. But what I appreciate is that they they don't shy away from it. It's part of the of the reality of mankind, and so it's not that they're all their uh, stories are completely atheist and let's remove any reference to any you know life philosophy or religion or let's just be neutral um, what struck me when when visiting uh, Disney World uh, a while ago we we went to uh, Epcot and you've got all these recreations of uh, of small uh, well of of, of, of of certain areas in the world um, and and again it's it's very much a caricature <laughs> you see Germany yes, I was exactly. like oh my goodness I've been to Germany many times but I've never seen this but but um, what the funny thing is, it was around Christmas or just before Christmas, and they were telling all these Christmas stories. And so there was also the story of the nativity. And it was just, you know, narrated and everything. But then they also had other traditions, other religious traditions around the time, you know, they might have a Jewish story as well. And so instead of trying to, you know, shy away from, oh, we shouldn't offend anyone, it, I thought it was very respectful. And I took into account that that religion is part of the culture of a lot of people and, and and those people are part of the customers of disney so but i think it must be very difficult especially in this time now that everybody is so sensitive and there's such this strong push to you know religion is oh that should be as private as possible and and and, and we have mm -hmm. to separate that from our day-to-day -day lives um i appreciate the fact that this story was respectful and that they they showed uh, the 
Louisiana culture, the New Orleans culture, uh, with a couple of key elements, without going over the top and without you know uh, offending anyone. But but I, I I I appreciate that, and I think it was important for the story because if I may uh, uh, mention a couple of elements from the New Orleans voodoo, uh, the type of voodoo that that uh, that is the Louisiana voodoo, there are a couple of elements that they actually used. In the story itself. First of all, of course, the spirits. The spirits are very important. It's already what I said. It's this idea um, that uh, spirits are present everywhere. Um, and in a way, you could. I think a Catholic would say from a theological point of view, this is almost like a, a natural intuition that people have that God and the spiritual world is part of our reality. And even if you can't see it, it's still there. And so uh, the, 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 the way that the Catholic Church approaches religion is usually, and, and other religions, is, is, well, let's see at what the core intuitions are because we have a natural desire and a natural search for God. And so we shouldn't be surprised to encounter God or images of God everywhere in all the cultures. And so what we need to do is to take that and see how we can kind of shed some light of the gospel on that and see, always looking for the compatibility and to value what's already there. And I think that in the the, the gumbo <laughs> mix that we have in New Orleans, that's a very good example of how that was done in a, in a positive way. And, and it might have actually be a process that is still ongoing. Who knows? It sometimes takes centuries. So the um, the spirits are there. Now, the star that we see, uh, which is um, actually the girlfriend of uh, our little uh, yes. Evangeline. This is, this is Ray's Evangeline. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a person or it's 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 not an object. Um, it, it's filled with meaning by this, the characters. It's the, it kind of, of course, immediately evokes the wishing star in Pinocchio and some of the other uh, Disney movies. You know, it's kind of, you wish upon a star. So I, I really appreciated that. But in this context, it gets an even stronger meaning because in the, uh, as I said, in the, in the, the uh, in New Orleans voodoo, uh, the, the objects themselves can be spirits or symbols of the spirits, just as the puppet, you know, the voodoo doll can be a symbol of uh, the spirit that you want to invoke, the, uh, whatever that may be. Uh, but uh, the star itself uh, also gets a personality here. And, um, and so uh, I was wondering, you know, could the star could actually be, you know, I don't know, the spirit of the sky. And the fact that at the end... When what's his name? The Ray. Ray when Ray, Ray. Ray dies and there's a second star, seems to indicate that his spirit becomes another star, or he's turned into a spirit that watches over the people below. And so, again, there's a lot of intuition of the afterlife in there, and uh, the, the 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 Catholic idea of angels watching over us and helping us. And then, of course, you've got the evil spirits uh, used by. Uh, uh, Facilier facil, or Facilier, I don't know where to, where to put the emphasis. Um, and they, uh, of course, I think are very similar to the idea of the evil spirits that we see in a Christian context, context uh, in the, even in the Bible, where uh, th- there's this idea of the good angels, and angels are spirits. They're pure spirits. I mean, we depict them with wings and everything, but uh, the, the theologically, they're just pure spirits. Um, and we've got fallen angels that turned away from God and 
and are basically, you know, uh, trying to turn people away from the light, which is a very important symbolic element of this story. It's always about the 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 darkness trying to fight the light, and then the light destroying the darkness and the shadows. And I think that the fireflies symbolize that. And, and in a way, the whole society of fireflies is almost a reflection of, you could say, the, the people of goodwill that spread light wherever they come and they chase the shadows. We also have, of course, uh, Mama Odie, who de- who just uses her, what is it, this this torch that she has to to kill the, the evil spirits. Um and uh, it is almost as if um, the main evil dude, uh, Facilier, is possessed by an evil spirit because his shadow seems to have a life on its own and actually has some grip over him. Literally, the shadows can take people or sometimes the frogs and, 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 and have an impact on a physical impact on them. So in a way, the story is suggesting that that Facelier has sold his soul to the devil or something similar. I mean, he is definitely, uh, and and in the end, that's what happens. He the the shadows take him, so he's he's literally they take yeah. possession of his soul and of his life. And, and there was, I'm not. Uh, there was some <laughs> controversy over this too. Is that they, um, some certain Christian groups rated this film as slightly offensive for mm-hmm. that reason. They're um, they're afraid that um, you know children would get the wrong idea and, and be scared. Um, well, and I think that that is it's a, it's a bit of a fundamentalist approach. I understand it that the people get a bit nervous about that. On the other hand, uh, I, I think that the Catholic approach is actually very good. It's like, well, let's see the analogies with the evil spirits in the Bible. There are lots of precedents for this. I mean, there is, even if you go to the gospel, uh, you've got this story about the, the evil spirits taking, you know, uh, possession of a man, and then uh, taking, then Jesus chases them, and they take possession of a whole herd of a uh, group of pigs, and they they kill themselves. And so, I think there's always uh, the 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 fact of the evil um, being much more than just uh, uh, moral choices or, or bad moral choices, but evil. Always having something to do with 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 people, with our souls, with the, the perhaps even the future of our souls. I think that that a personal element of evil is something that is already present in a lot of uh, different religions. And I think in the, in the Christian tradition, it, it you know we get some extra uh, perspective on that, um, where the evil spirits are basically. You know, creatures just like we are creatures, but we are both body and spirit. Whereas these these spiritual creatures, you know, they make a choice, and it's either for God or you know they refuse God. It's immediate and it's definitive. We are still we have time. Spirits don't have time. We have time, so we can we can convert. We can turn towards the light, and that's kind of the again uh, coming back to this ground. The basic story of this movie is: can the light conquer the shadow and uh remember the 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 first time that uh tiana walks into her future restaurant it's Mm -hmm. it's a dark place it's all it's broken it's 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 a terrible place it looks horrible it's it's like and again it symbolizes i think uh a lot of the things that are broken in life but there's a hole in the a hole in the roof 
and there's sunlight and, streaming in and it chases away the shadows. And there is, you know, another commonality theme that's running through the movie, which is hard work yes. coupled with, well, you know, and, faith. and Disney makes it. And faith. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and wishing, you know, she wishes on a star, but it, on actuality, you could say it's a prayer, you know, faith Absolutely. and hard work will get you what you want in this world and, yeah. and overcome any darkness. It's the same ambiguity or perhaps it, should I say it's the same kind of poetic approach of, of prayer as we see in, in Pinocchio where you know you don't know exactly if is, is, is Geppetto is he praying or is he just wishing upon a star or is it the same um, and what I what I really liked is that and, and this is another indication that this, this is ultimately a story about faith about well both things it's the balance of faith and your own contribution it's not and this is I think theologically very interesting faith is not just thinking oh there's a god and he will fix everything and i can just sit back no it's both god will help you but you also have to play your part that's very catholic in a way it's like your own work matters it's not that god has pre- predetermined everything and it just you know he he does everything no it's he wants to involve us into the way that we run this world and we hopefully turn it into something better than it is. And I think that is what I liked about the story arc of Tiana. She has to discover that. She is really at first first half of the movie. She works. She makes her own future. Then she starts to learn that, uh, and, and it's, it's brought on by hardship, by a crisis in her life. She realizes that she just lacks the power. She doesn't. She cannot do it on her own strength. She doesn't have enough money. Uh, the The situation is 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 dire, and so she she realizes I need help, and so that's when she starts to pray to wish upon that star. And then, at first, it seems like her her wishes are granted and her her prayer is heard, and then it goes wrong. You know, and it, it, it seems to completely get shattered. And that's where she loses faith. And then t- that's where she 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 says, uh, is it, she, she tells the firefly, Ray, like, that's that's not, Evan, uh, what is it? Um, uh, Evangeline, Evangel- that's, that's a not star. Evangel- it's just a star. Yeah, it's just a stupid it's sun just, yeah. and it's just matter, you know? There's nothing to it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then yeah. uh, um, Ray keeps the faith. He's like, well, that's not a star. It's... It's my yeah, girlfriend. She doesn't understand <laughs> what our love is, and yeah. <laughs> and and I, I think it's a beautiful commentary on on uh, on atheism or unbelief and and faith. And so, yeah, if you don't choose to believe, then everything becomes matter, and that's a perfectly valid point of view. But you're missing a dimension, and you can fill these objects and the world around you with meaning. And, and perhaps even with hope, because that says also what the movie is about. And that will give you so much more strength. And it will help you through that. That Because the moment that she loses faith, it seems like the, the future has ended. There's no more future. There's no more perspective. And it's faith and it's light that actually, you know, it's kind of this what this... this um, uh, voodoo queen, because that's what she is actually, Mama uh, Odie. What she says in her song is like, you got to dig a little deeper. Which I think is an extremely symbolic song. It means you got to dig deeper, not just by you have to work harder. No, you got to dig deeper until you find that layer of faith. It's not just the world is not just the way it is. It can be so much more, but you have to dig a little bit deeper. And and it's so funny that that uh, Mama Odie is blind, and yet yeah. 
She, yeah, she is blind for she the sees world, everything. but she sees so much more. And again, yeah. I think it's highly symbolic that it's not just about what you see. If you dig deeper, it's about this invisible world, which is very much the the intuition of of the voodoo religion. Is like the world is filled with meaning and filled with with spirit and with God in a way. That I think that's why it's so compatible with Catholicism. Anyway, um, talking about Mama Odi, Odi, Odi. Um, Say it with American accent, please. Mama Odie. Mama, Mama Odie. <laughs> uh, great character. But in, yes. in uh, New Orleans voodoo, the voodoo queen is very important. During the 19th century, voodoo queens became central figures. I'm just reading this from Wikipedia. I don't know all this stuff. Became central figures to voodoo in the United States. Voodoo queens presided over ceremonial meetings and ritual dances. Here you go. Dances. Disney must love that stuff because they can do a dance thing. They also earned an income by administrating charms, amulets, magical powders, guaranteed to cure ailments, grant desires, I want to become human, and confound or destroy one's enemies, where she's destroying the shadows. Um, there has actually been a very famous voodoo queen of New Orleans, and I don't know, Jeff, if you know uh, who I'm referring to. It's Mary Laveau. Right, Marie Laveau. That's Ma- right. Oh, Marie Laveau, sorry. <laughs> Marie Laveau. She uh, lived in the 1830s. Um, she became very popular, basically uh, the ultimate voodoo queen, because there were more voodoo queens at the time, but everybody has forgotten about them. But she was kind of an oracle. Uh, she uh, conducted these private rituals. She had a cottage on St. Anne Street uh, in the French Quarter. She performed exorcisms which is basically chasing away the evil spirits, chasing away the devil. She uh, she offered sacrifices to the spirits. But, and this is the interesting thing, uh, Marie was also a very devout Catholic, and she encouraged her followers to attend Mass. And so the uh, her endorsement, uh, basically, of the Catholic faith has helped this enculturation of voodoo into the Catholic realm a lot. And so it, it, I thought it was amazing. And actually, there's still um, a lot of, uh, there's a really a cult around her 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 grave. And there's actually a movement that wants, that asks the church to declare her a saint. <laughs> is that something that right. is still, uh, you know, is do you see that in New Orleans? Well, I mean, Marie Laveau is, is famous, you know, and uh, uh, the property... Down in um, uh, on St. Anne Street, I believe it's still standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, you know, if you go down to there's a lot of the, there's a lot of tourist stuff too. You know, you go down to New Orleans, you go down to the French Quarter, you can take these haunted voodoo tours and oh, things yeah. like that. She's she's buried in the oldest cemetery in New Orleans, which is St. Louis Cemetery Number One. Could that be the the kind of cemetery that we also see in a movie? Because there's there's a right. cemetery where basically where Tiana goes when she's thinks that she's betrayed by. Uh, by the other frog, <laughs> by the Naveen say, frog. Yes. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Because, you know, it, down in New Orleans, New Orleans is actually below sea level, ah. which is why Katrina was such an awful yeah. catastrophe for us. We're below sea level, so we can't, you, they don't dig graves. You don't, we don't bury people in the ground in New Orleans because if you do and it floods, the bodies are all just going to come up. So Ew. we build these mausoleums <laughs> and we build these uh uh, monuments yeah. uh, on top of the ground. And That's what you see in a movie. Right. It's just like in, in the movie. And so you have a lot of concrete, of course. Uh-huh. And uh, 
it, it, it's almost eerie. It's like they, they call it, they refer to it sometimes as the city of the dead, you know, uh, because we do have these above ground graveyards throughout the city. But it just feels that way. It's these little houses you're walking among as you go through the, the graveyards. But St. Louis uh, Cemetery, number one, is the oldest, oldest cemetery. It's down there right, right around the, the outskirts of the French Quarter. And uh, Marie Laveau is buried there. And the, some of these tours end up, the, the way that they go through different landmarks in the French Quarter that deal with voodoo or haunted places that are supposed to be haunted or whatever, mm-hmm. they typically will end up at her gravesite. And uh, there are folks who go there, and as a you know, some people just out of curiosity, what is this? This is uh-huh. different. This is weird. This is a tour. Let's see what it's all about. But there are some folks who go there, literally asking for her help, asking for her intercession. Right. So when she did die, uh-huh. uh, there were newspaper articles written. There were commentaries in circulation at the time some of which were claiming that she was a witch and some of which were claiming that she was a saint. Interesting. So, uh, it, you know, as far as the churches take, the local church here, the Archdiocese of New Orleans on Marie Laveau, I don't mm-hmm. think that there's any official take at all mm-hmm. on her. Yeah. I think that that's kind of in the past, but uh, culturally speaking, her name is still spoken a lot and, and people will definitely know who you're talking about if you mention that name. Interesting. The, um, uh, the 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 one of the elements of one of the ways in which the, the 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 Catholic culture kind of absorbed the voodoo practices was um, by uh, of course the, the they were seeing this whole belief in spirits and so what do we do with that and so they they connected they they paired these spirits these voodoo spirits with particular saints and and actually sometimes took voodoo names and kind of they became surnames of, of certain saints and one of which is uh saint peter you know the the the, the, the first pope basically um he's referred to he's, he corresponds to a voodoo character called papa limba or laba um and i think that's kind of connected to a spirit called legba originally who was the guardian of crossroads gates and entrances to villages now you got to realize that Saint Peter is in in uh, Catholic iconography is always depicted with the keys, the keys of heaven and earth, or the keys of the kingdom of the. That's why he he guards the pearly gates. Basically, it goes back to the story where Jesus says, "You know, I give you the keys. What uh, <laughs> whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven." So uh, Saint Peter gets authority of Jesus to act in his name and to decide to take decisions in 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 the name of Christ, and so. That uh, it's it's actually a pretty good match. So Saint Peter is, you know, the the keyhole, the one who has the keys, the key holder, and then this this Papa Limba who uh, guards the 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 entrances to villages. Now I was immediately thinking, oh, so you've got Papa Limba or Papa Peter, uh, perhaps, and then Papa. The word Pope also means. Papa, as, as you know, it's the same thing. It's father. Um, th- perhaps Mama is a reference, I don't know, to uh, a mother figure in Catholic faith. Uh, perhaps she has a little bit of Mary. I don't know. <laughs> she's she's the, definitely in the story. She's the bringer of light, which is definitely the case for uh, for for Mary and for Catholics. So she she was the one who gave birth to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And so I don't know. It's it's interesting. And then of course, the, the Mary in in the in the Catholic tradition 
has become almost a kind of a counterpoint to Eve, the first woman. Eve was the person who fell. Uh, you know, she was the first one to be seduced by the snake. And uh, th- uh, Mary is actually the one who, who kind of by her, yes. So the, the Eve said no to God by by you know, eating from the forbidden fruit. Mary is kind of the new Eve, says yes to God and brings salvation. Basically, her, you know, her son brings salvation. I was thinking, you know, we've got this snake in Mama Odie's home, but it's a benevolent snake. It's a good snake. It's a very friendly snake. And so it's almost a kind of the, the opposite of the evil snake of the story of, um, you know, Genesis. And, and and then that was well, and any symbolism we use with snakes, you know, usually it's a it's an evil snake, like Jungle Book. It's an evil yeah. snake. Yeah, but in this case, it's a yeah. good snake. Now, this is also part of the voodoo tradition, um, mm-hmm. where the uh, the there there is this uh, um, the, the serpent that was one of the central figures of uh, of New Orleans voodoo, uh, called originally uh, Le Grand Zombie. So a zombie probably means snake or something like that. Lee Grand Zombie um, became uh, kind of adopted by the Catholic culture in New Orleans. And and they associated the snake with St. Patrick. You know, the story of St. Patrick, he, uh, according to uh, legend, expelled all the snakes from Ireland. There is no not one single snake in Ireland. And he's often, St. Patrick is often depicted, uh, you know, with a staff and, and kind of hitting a snake with his staff. Now, huh, what does Mama Odie use the snake as? As a staff. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if this deliberate, but it's it's a bit too much to be just coincidence. I thought it was very, very interesting. Um, and then uh, you mentioned, uh, Jeff, that uh, actually St. Patrick is also huge in uh, in New Orleans, isn't he? He is. He is. There's a, a, a large uh, Irish uh, population here, believe it or not. And uh, matter of fact, they have a, one area called Irish Bayou and lots of really good uh, Irish pubs, too. It's, uh, <laughs> Ooh, I so have to visit New Orleans. <laughs> I know. <laughs> very, very cool. And uh, and then finally, of course, we've got the symbol of the star. We al- already mentioned it, uh, called Evangeline. Now, that name, what, what, what's the origin of that name? That Well, according to the writers of the movie, they paid homage to a Longfellow um, uh, story about Evangeline. And so it's a it's a mythical hero, um, heroine, if you would, um, about a, a woman who is a hardworking woman and and the object of love for somebody. Yeah. So, but he, she's also a symbol of New Orleans too. I guess there's a lot of things that are named after this particular character in, in literature. Well, and then and, and then in a way, the name itself, Evangeline, r- uh, refers to the uh, l'Evangile in, in in French, the, which means the gospel. So it's also a, a reference, a Christian reference, and uh, and the gospels themselves point you to uh, to Jesus, and, and and so in the end, I think there's there's a, like an extra layer there when uh, Naveen just thanks the the star or the Evangeline for saving his life. Um, there's again, that's almost a, a prayer of uh, of thanksgiving um, there. And and talking about Naveen and Tiana in their frog form. Um, we almost forgot to mention the symbolic nature of the frog itself. <laughs> How did we miss that? <laughs> uh, we hardly talked about frogs. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. 
<laughs> but uh, tell us about that, uh, Deborah. The, the frog is that evil? Is that good? Is that um... depends on you know it depends on the culture and the and the um how you want to look at it because frogs typically um, appear in folk tales and folklore. Um, you know, typically if we see frogs here in the United States, it's usually in connection with witchcraft or with, with witches or with something um, kind of um, slimy and evil. So, um, you know, maybe that's why it appeared in the, um, in the story in the first place is that symbolic of like, ew, a frog, mm-hmm. they're kind of gross. Yeah. So um, I, I think there is that that uh, symbolism that, you know, frogs represent kind of a, a tarnished human. Mm-hmm. And, but, but then, yeah. you know, There's a, a natural, you know, they also transform. They yeah. go from tadpoles to frogs. So there's a transformative nature about frogs that makes them nice for the story too yeah oh definitely and then and, and it kind of makes sense that you you know you got the tadpole you got the frog and then you've got the prince it's just a natural evolution <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> this gives hope to so many frogs in the world Ker- kermit <laughs> must love this movie <laughs> it's all about green power <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, I forgot to mention one thing that the Odie, uh, Mama Odie, the, the, the name Odie, uh, apparently comes from Melody. Uh, so, of course, uh, music, the musical thing, and that's definitely what she's very good at. And, 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 you know, talking about melodies, there are some amazing musical numbers in this movie, not just music-wise, but also the, the, the choreography, you know. And, and I, was only, I was used to seeing this once in a movie, and we've got, I think, like three of these sequences where there's these... these big dances and it becomes a little bit abstract and everything but mm-hmm. wonderfully done and especially if you consider that this all of this is hand drawn unbelievable mm-hmm. it's so complex what you see but it's, I, it's I did yeah I walked awesome. out of this movie saying this is the most beautiful Disney movie I've uh, ever yeah. seen I think it's more beautiful than Pinocchio and it, it, it definitely harkens back to the most sublime moments of uh, animation history uh, when when you know in in, in the Disney uh, in the Disney uh, tradition, so uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of uh, our second part of the Secrets of Disney, talking about uh, uh, the princess and the frog. I've got one final question for our Catholic foodie, Jeff Young. We were so glad that you were able to join us and uh, imbibe this podcast with uh, so much local knowledge. It, it it gives it a whole new dimension of credibility because now if we get something wrong, we'll just uh, forward all that email to you. <laughs> <laughs> but we see in the movie, we see that the, the Naveen and Tiana almost become a dish. Frog legs. Uh, is that something that is part of the uh, of the New Orleans kitchen? Oh, absolutely. Uh, fried frog legs. Wow. I don't I don't like them myself. I'm told that they taste just like chicken. Yes. Yes, they do. They're a little they do. <laughs> chewier, but they're delicious. My son, my son, my, my son eats pretty much anything. And his favorite food is sushi. He loves to eat octopus. I mean, he he he's just very. Um, he just like when he it likes comes to, when it comes to that. Uh, he loves frog legs. Matter of fact, last year for his birthday, he got, you know we, we had a party at uh, at at my wife's uh, my mother in law's house, and she said, you know, whatever you want, whatever you want, I'll fix for uh, for your birthday, and he wanted frog legs. 
So he so, just uh, loves slimy creatures. Yeah. It's not slime. It's mucus. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so New Orleans, still not a very safe place of pilgrimage for frogs. Perhaps this movie yeah. will will change that over time. We will have to wait and see. I want to thank uh, both of you, Deborah and uh, Jeff, uh, very much for all your research, all the effort that you put in the preparation of uh, of this show and thanks to our listeners we hope you enjoyed it we hope it uh, helps you enjoy the movie all the more uh, and if you rewatch it that you'll uh, remember a, a couple of things that we talked about and that it will just uh, give you another reason to go back to that fabulous movie The Princess and the Frog we will be back with more Disney movies you can check us out at sqpn.com or search uh, iTunes or whatever uh, podcast directory for The Secrets of Disney and hopefully that will lead you to our show spread the word tell your friends and fellow disney fans about our show and let us know uh, what you think Uh, you can uh, send your email to disney at sqpn.com thanks for listening thanks for being with us today and um, see you next time sqpn leading the way in catholic new media